Greetings and good morning and blessed Advent to each and every one of you. As we prepare to go and to read God's word, let us join together in a prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping, the longing, the sorrow, the sighing, and the rejoicing. Speak to us by your word in these Advent days and walk with us until the day of your coming. Amen. We have two readings this morning. Our first comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians. We read beginning in chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart for all of you share in God's grace with me both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and the praise of God. And from the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter, we begin at verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of their all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors and all those who were talking about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he spoke this prophecy, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed him. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. 
Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he spoke to our ancestor David to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Did you hear in early November about the 16-year-old female from Asheville, North Carolina, who was abducted by a 61-year-old male? Maybe if you get an Amber Alert on your cell phone, you saw it there just like I did. Initially, the young woman was taken to Ohio, and then after a few days, she was driven south into Kentucky. And during her trip, we don't know how long, but she made a hand gesture. A hand gesture that was seen by passengers in another vehicle. And the hand gesture was this. You open your hand, you put your thumb across your palm, and you close your fingers. Would you do that with me? Open your hand, put your thumb against your palm, and then close your fingers. One day, you might see that sign and might react and need to react and be called to react, or you might need it yourself. It's a hand gesture that this young woman learned on the website TikTok. It means, I'm in trouble. I need rescue. The passengers in that other car, they called 911, and the local law enforcement was able to, to block the interstate and to rescue that young woman and to apprehend the man. As inspiring as this story is, for drama, it is perhaps doesn't match some of the amazing rescues and the daring stories that we might know of all time. What might some of those be? How about the rescue and, and the miracle of Dunkirk? Or Apollo 13 in 1970? Baby Jessica, maybe you remember baby Jessica in, in 1987. Or the airline water landing we know as the miracle on the Hudson in 2009. Or in 2010, the Capio mining accident in Chile. Or in 2018, the, the Thailand soccer team being rescued from a mine in that country. We love rescue stories. And you know, they don't even have to be about people. Just think about all the animal rescues you've watched on Facebook, or maybe I've watched on Facebook. You know, the cow with its head stuck between the two trunks, 
Or the dog. How many dogs have we seen and watched have fallen through the ice? The deer with its antlers stuck in barbed wire. Or another horse, yet again, stuck in some deep mud. We can't get enough of a good, good rescue story. But did you know that the Bible is essentially one big rescue story? Through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, we are being rescued. And there is no rescue more daring in execution or more breathtaking in scope or more imaginative in design or more thrilling in victory than the rescue that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has given us. Praise be to God. During Advent, we are preparing our lives and we're preparing our faith community as we celebrate the first coming of God's Son, but also as we prepare for His second coming. And as we read today, the theme of rescue is throughout Scripture. In Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 68, we read the prayer of Zechariah, known as the Benedictus, Latin for blessed, because blessed is the first word of the prayer. Although the, aim, the age of Zechariah the priest and his wife Elizabeth are not known, we know that they are beyond childbearing years. And as the story begins, Luke tells us this, that they're both were getting on in years. Chapter 1, verse 7. And Zechariah, in fact, confirms this when he uh, greets the angel Gabriel in the holies of holies as he's serving in the temple. He tells Gabriel, I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. Like Zechariah and Elizabeth, Years before, Abraham and Sarah had received similar news that they would have a child. After years and years of waiting, after probably all their hope had been gone. And Sarah, what did she do? She laughed, didn't she? She laughed at the thought that she would have, finally have a child. Now, Zechariah, he didn't laugh. He wants more information. Sound like anyone that you might know? Don't we want more information before we often want to step out in faith? He asked God's messenger, how will I know this is so? Not exactly a faithful response. And the angel replies, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. And Zechariah didn't say another word until after his son was born. But suddenly, Zechariah regains his voice in his divine imagination. He awakens. He awakens to God's dream. 
inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Zechariah says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has raised up a mighty Savior for us. And Zechariah sees the specific role of his son. And Zechariah sings blessings into his son John's life. And, and he prophesies about the role of his son, the role that his son would play in this important event in the life of Israel and in the history of all the world. John will pave the way. John will point to the way of salvation. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. In the miraculous birth of John the Baptist, we see the foundation of what is to come. We see how interwoven his story is with Jesus' own story. And today, our focus is on laying a foundation and making space in our lives for God's blessings to break through. As we see, we build our house individually and collectively on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Only this foundation will guide and carry us through the challenges of life and, and give us the victory over sin and death in our Lord Jesus Christ. Although John's future role is described in the Benedictus, the Benedictus is more about Mary's son, who has not yet been born, than it is about Zacharias. It is Mary's son who will be a mighty savior for us, sings Zechariah. You see, it can be easy to forget during this Advent season that the reason for the season is salvation and redemption. Caught up in the whirlwind of, of Christmas shopping and tree decorating and gift wrapping and cookie baking, our, our soul's rescue and its eternal salvation can sometimes be the farthest thing from our minds. But when we gather to worship and we gather to sing Christmas carols, it's inevitable that Zachariah's theme of salvation and redemption will appear before our wondering eyes if we would but open them. For example, in Charles Wesley's hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, number 240 in your hymnal, we can sing this, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the newborn King, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. Or O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we sung that, maybe not verse 5 yet. Verse 5 says this, O come, thou King of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home, the captives from their prison free. That's us, sisters and brothers, that's us. And conquer death's deep misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to you, O Israel. 
It's an inconvenient truth in the midst of Black Friday and Cyber Monday and our Christmas shopping, but Jesus was born so that we might have an opportunity not to shop till we drop or to exchange presents or to have parties, even as wonderful as those things are. Jesus was born because after sending prophets into the company of human beings to no effect, a personal visit by the Creator, by God in the flesh, to God's creation was deemed necessary, if not the last resort. Into this mess came the Son of God to live with us and to lift us out of the chaos and the darkness that we find ourselves in, even if he had to die. He loved us that much. Zacharias, singing about this Savior, notes that he is a mighty, mighty Savior. But he's not just any run-of-the-mill leader. He's a mighty Savior who has been invested with the power to save. And yes, he's mighty to save us. This is not salvation in the abstract. It's personal. It's communal. It's real. This salvation means something. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Why has God done this? Zechariah sings it. He sings that we may serve God not only without fear, but that you and I may live in holiness and righteousness before God all of our days. Now that's awesome. That's awesome. Have we considered that Advent could be an opportunity to reassess how we will serve the Lord in the coming year? You see, Advent is in fact the beginning of the Christian year, not January 1st. Often our forward-thinking plans are they're personal and they're family-centric. They're focused inward, not on uh, outward activities and perhaps not on service. Could it be that we could take to heart Zachariah's song, his song that we would be reminded that we are a rescued people, you and I? If so, how might we honor our rescuer? Is there any better way to honor someone who has saved our lives than to serve him? To serve him without fear and to serve him in holiness and in righteousness all the days of our lives. How might how might we as a people who are rescued from sin and death and from meaninglessness serve the one who has brought salvation to us and to the world? The English poet Christina Rossetti attempts to 
get to the spirit of Zacharias carol in our own carol the Christmas carol that we know as in the bleak midwinter number 221 in your hymnal the lyrics in the last stanza might help us to respond to the one who has rescued us in Rossetti's words she asked what can I give him poor as I am she answers if I were a shepherd I would bring a lamb if I were a wise man I would do my part yet what can I give him do you know how it ends give him my heart give him my heart that's how we build our lives. That's how we lay the foundation. By giving ourselves wholeheartedly to the one who has rescued you and me. May Zachariah's song be ours also. Because you see, we have been saved to serve. Without fear and in holiness and in righteousness all the days of our lives. Amen? Amen.